1: Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cramer America. i people be to make friends. Just try to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Over the past 10 weeks, more than 14 million Americans, quarter of the workforce, have filed for unemployment benefits. Last week, we had 2.1 million new claims and 21 million continuing claims. Better than the week before but still incredibly bad on an absolute basis. So you think the stock market would get crushed today, right? Sell, 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 sell. sell. Uh, obliterated. Wrong. Once again, the averages spent most of the day well into the black, despite still more hideous macro data. Even as we sold off near the end of the session, Dow only sinking 148 points, s falling 0.21%, NASDAQ easing 0.46%. But again, 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 though. The market was up most of the day. Uh, and, and if the decline were about the incredibly weak labor market, well, what would have happened this morning when we heard the unemployment claims numbers right from the opening? The reversal was more of a fear of actions that the president might take against tech, today's leader, because of his anger about social media and about the president put, president's plans for punishing China over Hong Kong, punishment that could reverberate to our own companies that do business there. So then, why did the stock market open up big on those hideous? Figures. At this point, it's become a cliche to insist that Wall Street's totally disconnected from Main Street. After all, how else could stocks go up when we got 21 million Americans on the dole, the worst unemployment rate since the Great Depression? Honestly, you know what? I think at this point it's beside the point. The market's not been strong since the layoffs began in earnest because investors are indifferent to the economy. It's rallying because investors are actually bullish about the future of the economy. Let me lay it out for you. First, there's a new cohort of stock buyers who recognizes that we're not re- replaying the Great Depression here. The policymakers were too good. The situations aren't analogous. There was no safety net when the Great Depression got rolling. The banks went belly up. The money in your account, it disappeared. Corporations had no liquidity. Unemployment insurance, it didn't even exist. This time we've got the Fed printing enough money to pretty much guarantee that publicly traded companies will have a shot at raising capital through the bond market. We've had a trillion dollars in just big stuff, but billions of others in loans, uh, a, a bond issuance, anything, anything that moves. And a lot of that was only because Fed chief Jay Powell came out and said he'd be willing to buy corporate bonds of temporarily distressed companies. that were actually good companies before the pandemic. Powell knew his history. He didn't want the bond market freezing up. And just by saying those words, he saved the day. That's why only one major publicly traded company has filed for bankruptcy. of the trillions of dollars that were at stake. Second, the $2.2 trillion stimulus package, it's had a huge impact. Those one-time $1,200 payments, the payouts, you know this, you might have gotten one, Coupled couple with an extra $600 a week in unemployment benefits, they've given the consumer a lifeline. When you look at the high-quality retailers that cater to more frugal shoppers, and here I'm talking about AutoZone. I call them high-quality because they do their numbers. AutoZone, Burlington Stores, Dollar General, Dollar Tree. Might have seen them on earlier this morning. They have reported phenomenal numbers versus expectations. All four of these companies cited the federal government's generosity. All that stimulus money has been keeping us afloat. Let me put it this way. When the Treasury spends trillions of dollars to boost the economy and the Fed prints trillions more, what do you expect to happen? You better believe it's going to have an effect. A lot of people didn't think so. What fools those mortals were. Third, many uh, people now believe that the worst of the pandemic is indeed behind us. Now, if you live outside of one of the major hotspots, it's only natural to assume that the extreme lockdown was an overreaction. There's an emerging sense that we've got COVID contained and that means the business world can go back to normal. Now, I'm not totally sold as a small business owner. I know most of these smaller enterprises rely on crowds. Remember that word, to succeed. Their margins are too thin to really thrive without large throngs of people. And Even though most of the country is reopening, big gatherings are still off the table. Serious problem. But the bulls have visions of enormously dancing in their heads and rightly or wrongly, their view has made you the most money since the market bottomed in March, some 7000 Dow points ago. The bulls are still in charge or were until 245 today. Fourth, the vaccine to see not too long ago. The consensus among public health experts was that there was no way to develop a vaccine fast enough to save the economy. The land speed record for vaccine is four years for disease called the mumps, which, trust me, was painful as all get out, but also easier to figure out. Now, we've never been in a situation like this before. Nearly every single major pharmaceutical company on Earth is working on something to combat COVID, along with a ton of smaller biotechs. That's unprecedented. Now, big pharma executives tend to be a pretty cautious lot. So when we hear Merck's Ken Frazier talk about the near-term possibilities of vaccine, or J&J's Alex Gorski talking about how something's workable in the billions of doses by early next year, that means something, or should. If we get a vaccine sooner than expected, well, that's the whole ballgame. Put it all together, and you can understand why so many retail stocks have caught fire in the past week. A lot of them all-time highs. That's the whole basis of this Awaken America rally. So with all these positives driving the rally, why the heck don't people believe it? What makes the market strength so confusing? I think it's because of a third V, not the vaccine. Mr. Spock, not the vaccine, not the vanquished virus. I'm talking about the possibility of a V-shaped recession. The other day, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, perhaps the most important financier in the world, predicted we'd have a short, sharp, often described as V-shaped recession. That's a quick downturn followed by an equally rapid turnaround. As far as the economy is concerned, a V takes us back to where we were before the pandemic, which, by the way, was a really good place. Before Dimon's pronouncement of shaped recovery was widely considered a long shot, maybe even um, fanciful. But overnight, it became the prevalent view. And that's the rocket fuel behind this week's incredible rally until the last hour of the session. Now, you know the, the, uh, the mentality that produced this move. But there is one problem. I don't know if I can be completely convinced. Oh, I'd love to have a rapid V-shaped recovery. Everybody would, except for the short sellers, be phenomenal. Unfortunately, I think the V is chimeric. At the end of the day, there's been too much carnage among the small and medium-sized service operations that do form the backbone of America's economy and job creation. Many of these companies have either been doomed by social distancing or they missed too many payrolls or debt payments because they were deemed non-essential and will have to close their doors. They can't wait it out for the vaccine. One key part of the lockdown, most states placed a moratorium on evictions and debt collections. As we reopen the economy, though, those protections are going to go away. And if your business can't make red, you're toast. I think the V for Victory crowd may have gotten ahead of itself. We're still in for a rough ride, even if it's not the end of the world or the Great Depression redux. So why even own stocks then? Because as I never stop reminding you, we have a new economy, one that's based on nimble technology and healthcare companies, coupled with a few winning retailers whose competitors are in tatters. They were not essential. And financial technology companies like PayPal, they're taking over the world. We're going to speak to PayPal in a moment. That's why I think you've got to stick with, the, say, the work-from-home place. We just booked a work day last night after their excellent quarter stock 7% up. These stocks have been big winners since the bottom of March, and while many of them have fallen out of favor this week, I think that's temporary. The bottom line, it's a new market. It's a new economy. The Fed and the Treasury have learned from the mistakes of the past, which is why this market's been able to roar over the past couple of months, even as the data's been real ugly. Once that stimulus program runs out of money, I'm betting Wall Street gets less sanguine about the future. And some of these great gains, they could be throttled back by reality. Let's go to Connor in California. Connor. How's it going, Jimmy? Chill. Uh, Chill's trying to chill, man. I had a little rough couple of days. What's up?
2: Oh, man. Big fan of the show and first-time caller. Thank you for taking my call and for all your great advice. Thank you. Uh, I know you're a huge Philly sports fan, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on NSGS. We like it. Segment. We think
1: the, the parts are worth more than the whole, but I've got to tell you, the sports fans are all lining up and buying this DraftKings. We had them on last week. DraftKings is a play on the reopening of sports. It's a little too hot for this guy, but I understand the bull story. Lambros in New York. Lambros. Holy cow, Lambrose, you sound like a youngin'.
2: I'm just starting to worry about investing, and my big question is about the airlines. Airline
1: stocks are coming up off their lows as the economy reopens. Right.
2: Would you consider Delta a buy right now?
1: I no, so. the only one that I'm actually willing to—I like Gary Kelly. He's the CEO of uh, Southwest, of symbols Love, L-U-V, and I would go with that one. I'm not a big fan of the airline business these days. Uh, too many issues, but Southwest is the one if you want to go. I hope your ma was on there, right? Is that your ma there? Okay, I like young people. People think, I like young people. That's kind of a generalization. it's a new market and a new economy. Wall Street may get less sanguine, and they seem to in the last hour. But the market's been able to roar from 18,000 at the end of March or Mad Money tonight. During the coronavirus pandemic, cash is out and touch fee payments are in. You want any COVID cash? Sold to you. I'm talking to the CEO of PayPal to find out how it's helping with the trend. Then why weightlifting could be the key to this market, although one's maybe imbalanced. And I'm sitting down with Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff after earnings that
3: the market doesn't seem to like. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer, hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnBC.com.
0: I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe.
1: As America reopens for business, we need to remember that the world has changed. And some of these changes are here to stay. Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, said that we've seen two years of digital transformation in, in, in two months. Earlier this week, we spoke to Sasan Ghadarzi. Now, he said, he's the CEO of Intuit, that it's like shotgunning five years worth of time. Consider the case of, of PayPal. That's the Kramer Fave payment technology company. For years, I've been recommending this amazing company as a play on the gradual digitization of payments. Then the pandemic hit and suddenly Venmo, PayPal's peer-to-peer payment system, was a lot more attractive. Even better, PayPal lets you pay with your smartphone in person, no handling cash or credit cards that could be covered, yes, in coronavirus. Now, when the company reported earlier this month, the actual results were not as stellar as people were looking about, but that's because the whole economy shut down in March, took a toll on the numbers. But on the conference call, PayPal explained that business started picking up again in April in a big way. The company added about 250,000 net new accounts per day last month. And May 1st was their largest single day of transactions. Don't the, the stocks caught fire. One of the best performers out there. Uh, year to date, it's been amazing. So can it keep roaring? Let's check in with Dan Schulman. He's the president and CEO of PayPal to get a better sense of how this company's is handling this bizarre new world. Mr. Schulman, welcome back to Mad Money.
4: Jim, so nice to hear your voice. Thank you for having me.
1: Dan, this is an amazing time for your company. And I want to congratulate you right up front. You have you have built a system, built an infrastructure, an ecosystem that that is perfect for, as you say, a crisis that went from health to economic to psychological. Every single line of yours is doing so well. Walk us through how this could be the case.
4: Well, Jim, you're exactly right. I mean, that is the progression of the uh, crisis and um, As a result of that, you know, our products and services couldn't be more important and more relevant. Um, You know, there are three big shifts going on right now. You've got the world moving from physical to digital. Um, You know, half a year ago, we were saying we had, you know, too many screens in our life, too much technology. And now we just need more and more technology as everything from education to entertainment. To medicine is moving more and more digital. And then you also have the face of retail, fundamentally changing in a discontinuous manner right now and moving more and more to uh, online uh, kind of e commerce, um, really accelerating two to five years from the secular trend it was already on. And then you have the rise of digital payments in general. And so, all three of those things are very large tailwinds. And we're fortunate to have scale and scope to take advantage of those.
1: I remember there was a time when I'd look at the numbers and I said, boy, I hope he does three to five million new new clients uh, this quarter. Uh, 7.4 million in one month, in just one month?
4: Yeah, it was an amazing month for us. But Jim, I think Uh, And we said that we're going to do 15 to 20 million uh, for the quarter, and I think we're well on track for that. Um, But I think what's even more impressive, uh, believe it or not, than those net new actives is the engagement. Our base, which is now 325 million people on our platform, that average daily usage across our entire base is up well over 20%. And the new cohorts of users coming on are 30% more engaged than previous cohorts. And it's just really, um, people are embracing digital payments. And I think that is going to continue on. And as you know, and you mentioned in your upfront, move from online also to in store as well as people want contactless payments.
1: You have continued to understand the younger entrepreneur and a younger individual's mindset. My kids are addicted to honey, a way to save money that shows me they're children of the Depression era, of the Great Recession. Uh, My executive producer's husband saved, I think, maybe that's too aggressive a word, by a note coming from PayPal ahead of how his business was doing, saying you've got forbearance. We don't want to hurt your company. These are things that normally are, uh, let's say, too ethereal for a CEO, to see, but there are things that you're doing because you're building lifetime value customers from day one, aren't you?
4: Yeah, that's what the uh, goal is, Jim. The goal is to increase our scale, but very importantly, uh, to have PayPal and Venmo become everyday apps. um, To be able to do more and more of your financial life on that app. Honey is a great example, Honey's mission And the reason we bought that company is their mission was to make money fair. Um, And what that really meant is, how do you help um, different populations, all of us who are struggling? Because there was a crisis before the economic crisis. You know, half the country had less than $400 of savings. 185 million adults in the U.S. struggle to make ends meet uh, at the end of the month. And honey basically helps you to find the best price for the goods and services you're interested in. And and so it not only helps consumers, Jim, but it helps merchants to sell more to those consumers. And to give you an idea of how much that value proposition is catching on, the recent net new actives into honey are up 180% over where they were pre-coronavirus. That's incredible.
1: At the same time, I know you talk about a $100 trillion total adjustment market, which means that there's room for a lot of companies, but uh, Apple Pay. When I look at it, I think to myself, uh, it, it does does Dan have to pick a legal fight? Because Apple I would say in many ways blocks PayPal. And I don't know if that's fair, whether it's whether it's that like Microsoft uh nineteen ninety nine, or is it just room for everyone we don't have to think about or is there a technology that you have, the QR code, that maybe makes it so it's all fair and love more?
4: Yeah. Well, I'd say, first of all, our relationship uh, with Apple uh, is, in general, uh, a pretty good relationship. Uh, Obviously, we compete in some places, but we're very close partners in a lot of other places. Um, When it comes to in-store, one of the really nice things about QR codes, as opposed to uh, what's called NFC or near-field communication Mm -hmm. technology, where you tap your phone, uh, on a register, is that QR codes are agnostic across a mobile device, across operating system, and all 325 million people who are currently on the PayPal platform have access to QR codes. We rolled that out now in 28 countries around the world. And it's really very simple and easy, and our merchants are crying out for this and consumers are as well, because merchants wanna make sure that when consumers come back into their stores, that their cashiers can be safe and healthy. They're putting up plexiglass at checkout. They wanna be sure that consumers are healthy and they don't want, and nobody wants to be handling cash anymore. They don't wanna be touching a keypad uh, to sign. And so we need forms of contactless payments. QR codes are so easy for small businesses to use. They don't even need to integrate it into point of sale. They can print out a QR code, put it on their cash register, and we can scan it within the Venmo or the PayPal app, put in the amount uh, for the purchase, and just send it like a, a person-to-person payment. to be a person-to-merchant payment. These are simple, easy. We're also integrating with point-of-sale systems, So the point of sale can scan the QR code in your PayPal or Venmo app as well. And this is a way of moving to what really is a rapidly accelerating trend towards full omni-channel retail, where online and offline are merging together. And really, PayPal has a platform that is Incredibly well suited for that,
1: yep, you get the blurring uh, one last thing i went I did mention that uh, your company had helped a young entrepreneur, and I want to go back to that i 've known you for too long you 're too humble to say it. I believe that Dan Shulman has instructed his company to when they see someone who could. Be in trouble for over the short term because of COVID, extend them some credit, give them forbearance, they're going to be lifetime. I believe that Dan Shulman told that, gave that directive to that company. Is it true?
4: It is true, Jim. We're going to spend at least $150 million uh, helping our customers um, in terms of forbearance on loans, uh, waiving fees, helping on refunds and exchanges. This is a time where financially strong companies like PayPal need to step up and help our customers, uh, small businesses, consumers. Um, We need to not only provide the services that they need, um, which are, as I mentioned, are more important than ever, but we also have to have a degree of empathy, uh, and support for them. And I believe that the costs associated with that will be far outweighed by the goodwill and the benefits um, uh, that come from that over the medium to long term. And it's the right thing to it's do. It's the right thing to sure. do.
1: It's the right thing to do. Dan Schulman, President and CEO of PayPal. There's a reason why stocks go up besides just the numbers. There's an ethos. There's a belief and there's a philosophy. Dan Schulman has all those that are right. Man, money's back in Imagine a ton of flack on Twitter for failing to fully embrace the Awaken America rally, which was heading toward its fourth and critical day before an afternoon pullback wrecked the trade. But after this incredible move, I think it's a mistake to go all in on the recovery stocks that thrive in on a stronger economy. Hey, listen, don't get me wrong. You should absolutely own some of them. There's definitively a place uh, in your portfolio for the Awaken America names. But this is a time of tremendous uncertainty. So you also want some high quality recession proof names because the recession is here and it's real and it is not going away, which brings me to, well, got a couple of things, a barbell. I'm going to show you in a second what this is. I like a strategy that gives you some winners of, if the minor chord, the recovery, triumphs, but that also gives you terrific gains if I'm right about the major chord, the recession. What makes me so adamant that the economy is in bad shape? Well, it's simple. You just can't hand-wave away tens of millions of lost jobs. The real issue for this market is no longer the virus. It's the specter of mass unemployment. The government either needs to go all New Deal and create make work jobs, or we need to start subsidizing wages for employers like they're doing in Europe on a scale that's much bigger than the Paycheck Protection Program as much as I like that program. Still, I recognize that there are days when euphoria reigns and you don't want to get your head handed to you. It's good to have something on your sheets that can rally on days when the Awaken America theme is out in full force like the last couple days. Otherwise, you feel like an idiot. But you can't go all in with these recovery stocks. The barbell prevents you from taking Johnny-come-lately actions that always plague traders who are bent on buying high and trying to sell higher. A very risky situation. So this is what we're doing for my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionLordsPlus.com club. Well, we've got some banks and some entertainment, some retailers and restaurants. Those stocks on this side, they do roar when the economy recovers. But we don't have any cruise lines, we don't have airlines or deep cyclicals because they need a much stronger recovery than I think can happen. That makes one side of the barbell much lighter than the other, as more and more heavily weighted in the recession stocks. But you have to have some sort of worldview out six months. And right now, my worldview is that the recession might not be over six months from now. Now, here's the real hard fought lesson that I've learned over the past 41 years of buying and selling stocks I've seen a rhythm to the minor chord, the group of stocks that occasionally gets played, even as there's never. Uh, uh, never the market's leitmotif, when stocks that have been terrific shorts fall too far too fast, hey, like we see with the cruise lines, the restaurants, the industrials, then lots of smart money managers decide to buy those stocks so they can ring the register, close out maybe short positions they put on when they're much higher. Remember, short sellers need to buy back the stocks that sold at higher levels in, in order to take profits. I think that buying, coupled with definite value hunters on Friday, created a four for these stocks. That's day one. On day two, the chase is on. These stocks become the flavor of the moment. And the major chord, in this case, the recession stocks, they get sold and sold hard. And definitely there's a third day and this time of rabid gains as the chasers can't resist. That third day yesterday is where where you do the most damage to yourself, because by day four, the whole trade tends to fizzle. Today was day four. And the recovery stocks, they got pummeled. I've seen this pattern repeated hundreds of times in my career. That's why you have to resist the urge to chase these newly hot cyclicals. Because after the move fizzles, well, then the major chord reasserts itself. Right now, that means the recession stocks start winning again, which is why they make up the heavier part of the barbell. That's the pattern. You can try to go against it. But as we saw this afternoon, it's a pretty bad call. Resist the urge to fight the pattern. It's usually a bad way to try to make money. Now, there's much more mad money ahead, including my sit-down with Salesforce fresh Office Report, than how an under-the-radar player is helping in the fight against COVID-19. Don't miss my exclusive with Zebra and all your calls rapid-fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. And here's a sneak peek at what my friend Scott Wapner has coming up on Markets in Turmoil at 7 p.m. on CNBC. Stay with Cramer.
3: Tonight at 7 p.m., what could college campuses look like this fall? One expert shares his blueprints. Plus, May is typically one of the busiest months for moving. What one company is seeing now and what it means for the recovery. All tonight at 7 p.m. with Scott Wapner.
1: All right, what, what the heck just happened to the stock of Salesforce? The Kramer fave cloud kingpin reported after the close, and while the headline numbers were excellent, strong top and bottom line beat for the quarter, the company did give what I regard as conservative guidance, and the stock got slammed from that after hours trading. Not only was the forecast for the current quarter a little weaker than expected, management did cut their full year forecast for both sales and earnings, and that matters. Plato see they were looking for 21 billion in revenue. Now it's only 20 billion. I know that sounds only, but hey, it's a billion less. What do we make of these numbers? Salesforce has been one of the biggest winners from the stay at home economy. And if management simply being conservative during a difficult time, well, the stock could have a lot more upside here. But if there's a real problem that changes things, even as the big contract wins continue to amaze and the lay outs that he has to make, that Mark Benefit has to make for his staff because of COVID-19 are immense, but necessary and are by no means done. So let's dig deep with Mark Benioff, the straight shooting founder, chairman and CEO of Salesforce, learn more about the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Benioff, welcome back to Mad Money.
0: Thanks so much for having me again,
1: Jim. I'm always thrilled to be here. All right. So, Mark, you got some big wins. Let's talk about them first, because the biggest one I've seen in a long time is AT&T. Why did they select Salesforce?
0: Well, Jim, I am so excited about AT&T and what they're doing with our customer 360 platform. And I have to tell you, I've been down to Dallas now several times myself, working with uh, Jeff Mecklefresh. He's an incredible visionary, the CEO of AT&T Wireless. And it's very simple, Jim. You know, AT&T has many customer touch points. The customer's home, the call center, the retail store, I'm sure you've been in it, messaging, uh, the phone itself. And when you go to any one of these customer touch points, they're going to know who you are through our single source of truth. This is a transformational opportunity for AT&T Wireless. It's one of the most significant and it'll be one of the largest transactions we've ever done. I'm absolutely delighted. All right. Now talk about please
1: because I'm not sure it necessarily figured into this quarter, but it's how people are awakening their companies. And I know last night, of course, from Neil Bush, Workday that it is incredibly popular.
0: Well, I'm thrilled about the relationship with Workday and Work.com and, of course, PwC and IBM and Accenture and many others have all joined Work.com because, look, it's time for us to start reopening safely. And to do that, that means we're going to need information technology. We, We don't have a vaccine yet, Jim. You know that. But we can use information technology to mitigate the virus. There's probably four other things we can do. We can wear masks. We can do social distancing. We can wash our hands. We can do... Tracing and testing. And tracing and testing, that's where Work.com is. In fact, for the state of Rhode Island, they're using Work.com to do all of their contact tracing, Are as are so many other states now in the United States, including California, Massachusetts, Texas, and about 35 others, and many, many companies as well.
1: Now, let me ask you, because I know that uh, we're obviously at to still deal with the four walls of the spreadsheet here. And uh, you're committed to making as much money as possible, but also giving away as much money. But one's personal. The company always does give money away, too, though. One, one, one. Um, th- obviously, this quarter w- was a beat. Uh, and that's been very difficult to do because a lot of people were struggling this quarter. I'm trying to figure out, people are now saying, listen, it's a big guy, Dan. You're supposed to make 75 cents next quarter. You went 66, 67, uh, and that the operating cash flow was not what people wanted this quarter. And it was, it was a miss from what people were looking for, 1.5 bill versus uh, estimated 1.8. So how do we reconcile all the business you're doing, the big wins, with what you're forecasting, which uh, seems lighter than what I expected from you?
0: Well, Jim, this has been such a challenging quarter because just look at from our last quarter, when we spoke, there were 15 coronavirus cases in the country of the United States. Uh, today, here we are, and the reason why I chose New York is because my heart has been with the people of New York for this entire quarter, now with uh, 20,000 deaths uh, in the city. So I um, have been thinking a lot about how do we... Uh, help those in need. And I'll tell you, one of the things we did in the quarter was buy 60 million pieces of PPE and distribute that. I didn't know that, Jim, when I was on the call with you 90 days ago. I also was not on or even aware of that we would do 11,000 implementations, emergency implementations of Salesforce for free for our Salesforce care program. And number three is I would not have ever thought that I would have done a commission guarantee for my salespeople in the quarter to stabilize them and give them the ability mm. to work out of their homes. And those three things, Jim, started away on the financials for the quarter, as well as other things as well, including that, you know, look at our customers have been actually in acts of very significant distress with a global pandemic with all of their employees in their homes. So I am actually incredibly optimistic and encouraged because my belief very strongly is that if you can navigate through the last 90 days, you can navigate through anything. And this was a quarter of trust. I mean, we this is where we had our values on our sleeve. Well, is
1: it possible, though? I mean, there have been some industries that you have just dominate. And we're talking about some retail, some travel. You you won't. And you know that they could. You, there was no way your sales force could close any of those deals this quarter. It's just not going to happen. I was amazed that you closed Standard Bank, which is the largest lender in Africa. I don't know how you closed that. It must have done, been done by Zoom. But is it possible that May could be a pickup just because you're able to get more deals done?
0: Jim, our pipelines look actually amazing for Q2 and Q3. I'm hugely surprised. And also, I... I'm hugely encouraged by the amount of bookings that we actually accomplished in the first quarter. It was incredible. So when you look at these numbers that we're able to deliver, not just our top-line growth, 31% for the quarter, not just where we're going for the year, where we still feel that we're going to deliver more than a $20 billion year, which is very appropriate guidance based on the global pandemic that we're going through, I, I'm very optimistic about the company, and I have a lot of confidence about our ability to continue to exe- execute with excellence.
1: Uh, still taking share, you know, we've got SAP, we have Oracle, Microsoft, Adobe—all rivals to you. But I, I know that tomorrow's paper may show me a chart uh, similar to what we're looking at, which shows that the share gains continue.
0: Well, we—you can see the dramatic uh, share gain that we've had because we're still the number one CRM provider in the world, and we added more market share last year than our top 13 competitors combined. And that, that's really because we're singularly focused on one thing, Jim, which is, and you can see it really in the AT&T win, we're focused on making sure that our customers can connect with their customers in a whole new way across every critical customer touch point. Just to go back to AT for a second, no one else can come in and say, we're gonna help them with their field service, their in-store service, their e-commerce service, their call center, their messaging, and their devices all integrated in a cross-sell, upsell environment for the complete integration of the customer. We're the only ones who can deliver that full customer 360. All right. You know, I just can't, can't
1: resist, Mark. I want to ask, President, now executive order on social media, you've had strong views about Facebook and whether they should be regulated, whether they are allowed to print anything they want. Uh, there there seems to be a dovetail between what the president wants to do and you have on some lines in thinking that maybe, uh, look, you're either the New York Times and you have to have both sides or you shouldn't be. Uh, Where do you come out on this?
0: Well, Jim, you you can see that this is very much uh, all about these platforms and how they're regulated. And I've said this before, but we we need to go back and look at Section 230. We need to go back and evaluate how, These laws are laid out. And, you you know, I own Time magazine. You know, I'm held accountable for what's on my platform, as are you. And I I should evaluate how all of these organizations are are uh, regulated.
1: Well, I think uh, you and I have talked a long time about this as a journalist. I always thought that's the way it was supposed to be. But there's, a, there's there's always a new thoughts, let's put it that way. Anyway, Mark, congratulations on the near term. I know you're going to have to defend the long term, but to me, the long term is always the same as it's been since we first met many, many years Thank ago. You, Thank you so much, Mark Benioff.
0: Next quarter, all the best.
1: All right, terrific. Chairman and CEO of Salesforce CRM. Stay It is time. It's time the light round. About run. Good and then the light round is over. Are you ready, Steve? Guys, over the light round because you want to Anthony in North Carolina. Anthony.
2: Good evening, Jim. Booyah! Booyah! My uh, question is in with respect to the generic drug makers. Is anybody like Kevin going to no.
1: Kevin, no. No, it's a generic drug matter. And those stocks are all pretty awful when we've got such fabulous companies like a Merck, like a Pfizer, like a bristol Mars. Let's go to Terry and North Carolina. Terry.
2: Booyah, Jimmy chill Yo, Star yo, Day. man, I,
1: I'd be chilling after a couple of days of rough trading. What's going on?
2: Right on. You turned me on to Starwood Property Trust a couple of years ago. It's been a wild ride from 26 to a
1: recent low of 9. Along the way, Barry and others have been making big insider buys at
2: $14 and then again at 9. I love it when the C-suite puts their money where their mouth is. What are your thoughts on the back You know, back I feel the same way that
1: it's down 44%. The yield is 13 But this guy, Sternlich, has always impressed me as a straight shooter. We need him on. We got to say, why am I? And shouldn't we be worried? Because the stock is plummeting. Was, it was at 21 when he was on last. I'm getting to the bottom of this. Let's go to Joseph in California. Joseph. Hey,
2: Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I really like my... Uh, Tommy Bahama shirts. So I was looking at Oxford Industries, I don't know what you're doing. Look, it's
1: always been, it's been around. It's kind of hanging in here. I like their stuff too, but let me tell you something. If you like a pal, you got to buy P. V. H. Manny Trico. I don't really care for Powell pal right now. Too much inventory. Ray in Maryland. Ray!
2: Jimmy Chill. Say,
1: Ray. For call.
2: What's up? I'm a 19 year old investor, and I wanted your thoughts on Amgen. AMGN.
1: I like Amgen a lot. It's kind of moved up here without me. Feel bad about that. But I think it's got a lot of good. It's got a new oncological uh, franchise that I really, really like. And, of course, it makes Amavig as the chief spokesman for the American Migrate Foundation. And take our of Amavig, I can tell you, it's good. Let's go to Dave in Florida. Dave.
2: Hey, Jim. I haven't trusted the recent uh, market search but now I'm tempted to look for some opportunities again. You know, Intel has such a reasonable PE. It I mean 12 to one. Is that a good reason to uh, invest in that kind No, of not company?
1: right now, because AMD's got some chips that are smoking hot that are come out and I think will take some share from Intel, so we're going to be a buyer of AMD. I need Baron in Florida. Barron.
2: Booyah! Barron, booyah, baby, calling from Palm Beach, Florida. Jim Kramer, I took everything I have and bought 31,000 shares of GE when it was trading at 558 by December of 2021. Will I be a millionaire?
3: Ah!
1: Interesting. Interesting analysis, very much like Warren Buffett. Where's Becky? I need need Becky's help here. Um, Look, GE, the stock goods, uh, it did kind of do a little round trip on the air. When that happens, you should take half off. Uh, I, I think... I think, I think Mr. Culp is doing a fantastic job against tremendous circumstances. But I would I think you'll do okay. Uh, but I don't really call that. But you, the word diversification does not come in mind with that strategy. Let's go to Lewis in New Jersey. Lewis. Hi, Jim. Lewis. Uh, I want to thank you for your really consistently great shows. Aw, oh, thank you, buddy. Thank you. That's because <laughs> of Regina Gilgin, my conscience, the uh, angel <laughs> on the left shoulder.
2: Okay. All right, what's up? It's a crazy market, and that's trouble time. Totally. It falls for a little defense, like a stock that has a 3.7% yield and 10 times earnings and closed at $20 and change today. So I would like your opinion on simple SPTN, Spartan Nash.
1: First time it's been asked about. I like it a lot more than Aramark. Sorry, Philadelphia Zone. And I think that if it hasn't come down with something must be going on there, because almost everybody else that business is getting crushed. I think you've got a good one. We need Randy in Texas, please. Randy. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Thanks for taking my call. Oh, my first time caller. Just recently been watching your show. I bought some shares of uh, Ingevity at 28 back in February, and now it's at 53. And... Yeah, um, I think it may be time to do a little registering because it's a true uh, agriculture. It's a pastiche, if not mosaic, of industrial in- uh, companies, of which I want you to sell half tomorrow morning We let the rest run. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: Most of the COVID-19 winners have cooled over the last couple of days, but not all of them. A handful have been able to keep roaring stocks like Zebra Technologies. that's a leading player in the enterprise asset intelligence space. I know that sounds really confusing, but we're going to get to it. Zebra created end-to-end solutions that help its clients track everything from people to equipment to data. Now, when we last heard from them in April, when we had CEO Anders Gustafsson on the show. And he told us he a terrific story, a terrific story about how zebras, a central cog in the e-commerce machine at a time when the whole world is going digital, continual theme for the show. At the time, the stock was trading at 178. I, I, well, I sure hope you listen, because today it was at 257. And it also made a new all-time high intraday at 263. We know Zebra's in good shape because it reported better than fear a quarter a month ago with some solid guidance for the period. Now we need to know if this strength is sustainable. Let's talk to Anders Gustafsson. He's the bankable CEO of Zebra Technologies to learn more about what's fueling this rally. Mr. Gustafsson, welcome back
2: to Mad Money. Thank you. Glad to be back.
1: When I think of your company, sir, I used to think of it a barcode company and scanning. I am now seeing things, whether it be the post office contract, whether it be the 40,000 uh, unit a retail contract, but perhaps most important, what you're doing with COVID-19, temporary hospitals, drive-through testing. The, we can't do these things without Zebra. Let's talk about that last, about what you're doing COVID-19 both here and in the United Kingdom.
2: Yeah, so we, we have been uh, you know very active with uh, helping to set up uh, pop-up hospitals, drive-through test facilities, uh, to support, uh, you know, the patient admissions, uh, you know, the, the whole process of bedside care, uh, as well as, you know, the, all, you know, uh, tracking specimens for testing, uh, all the way from drawing blood in a vial to uh, being able to deliver test results back to to the patients. And this is because it's mistake-free, correct, sir? Yeah, we, we can en- enable basically, you know, reduced error rates very, very substantially. So we can, we can make it, uh, you know, I'm not sure mistake free, but we're quite right, but close to it. Okay. Now, uh, to win a 40,000 a unit, and I don't know if it's one of the world's
1: largest mass merchants, 40,000 purchase of your, uh, mobile printers. What that tells me is that you're integrally involved with the omni channel, that it's no longer just the front of the store, back of the store. You need to do far more than that. It's really hard to keep track of inventory and you need zebra.
2: Yeah, so uh, you know, the, the that was a you know, big contract for us, and and we're certainly very pleased for that. And you know that was to be used for for omnichannel or buy on, online, pick up in store or pick up curbside. And if you think of of uh, that process, you know today you know you tend to walk in yourself and physically you know, walk up and down the aisles and put all your goods in your your basket and and then go to a cashier for the checkout. In a in a buy online, pick up in store. Uh, scenario you have to identify the right person to pick the the, the, the merchandise for you that person has to download a shopping list get a wayfinder application to help them through the store and scan each of the items as they put them in the basket and then lastly do a, a, a mobile point of sale checkout and put it in a in a bag which can be labeled that it's this, this bag is for Jim and not for Anders. So it goes right. to the right person. All right.
1: Now, uh, there were issues that would have uh, your your franchise is so strong, you were able to overcome something that was rather remarkable. Some supply chain issues, whether it be the uh, shutdown in China or the actual uh, movement, because you are doing more diverse sourcing the movement to Malaysia and to Vietnam. And yet it didn't really interrupt your earnings. Uh, how are you able to move around all these parts?
2: Well, we have a, we have a very strong supply chain team, and I think they did, uh, they worked wonders to be able to navigate the whole coronavirus situation and, you know, as, as well as the, all the, all the tariff issues earlier. You know, for us, <clears throat> the coronavirus situation started off as a, as a supply issue. And, uh, you know, we, we, we were somewhat late, late in getting some of the products to the U.S. or Europe or in that quarter. So we had some higher, uh, uh, expedite charges for that. But, you know, we we, we were able to man- navigate it, I think, as well as we could have hoped. Well, can we expect that as Zebra, uh,
1: let's say, transitions out of some of, of China, that if the president uh, decides to really uh, take this trade war to another level, Zebra will not be hurt by
2: it? Yeah. So from a supply perspective, you know, we will have uh, uh, by the end of this quarter, largely, we will be and you know have uh, uh, enough capacity to satisfy the U- U.S. demand. So half of our capacity will be outside of China at that point. So from a from a uh, from a supply perspective, you shouldn't see, see much of an impact, if any. From a demand perspective, you know uh, China is a relatively modest part of our overall business, about five percent. Uh, we are um, over-indexed to manufacturing there. So if there were to be further uh, t- t- tension, you would expect that maybe those manufacturers will move. And I would expect that we will be move with them. So, you know, we will be able to replicate the lines they have set up in China, outside of China, wherever that might be. So we should be able to retain that business. Well, that could be additive because that way the tariffs
1: are somewhat owners for you. If you move enough to Vietnam and Malaysia, the tariffs go, go away for that business and your earnings
2: increase. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, tariffs have, have been quite substantial for us. And we, uh, you know, Q1 was what we, we expected to be the, the, the strong, you know, the, the heaviest load of tariffs and you know be minimized in Q2 and largely be behind us in Q3. All right,
1: look, I want to congratulate you on, on picking up 80 points since we saw you last, which was not that long ago. Anders Gustafsson, CEO of Zebra Technologies, always good to see you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All time high, ZBRA, and why not? It's in the middle of everything having to do with commerce. Stick with credit. I like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow.